Freebooters Network. Hi, this is Devin Trek with the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of the Nerd Herders. We hope you enjoy the show. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I know they're all thinking I'm so white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Can't you see I'm white and nerdy? Look at me, I'm white and nerdy. We are. We are. We are. The Nerd Herders. Who's scruffy looking? Hello. Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to episode 40 or 130 if you're an original listener. My name is Andy Howard. I'm joined this evening by my cohort, Ian Clark. How are you doing tonight, Ian? I'm well, Andy. Thank you. Also joining us is the first of two Alex brothers. Matt, how are you doing this evening? Not as wet as you. <laughs> and bringing up the rear as always, the final Alex brother, Justin. How are you this evening, Justin? I'm great, thanks. All right. So uh, tonight we're uh, going to be talking a little bit about uh, a great new game, uh, Star Wars Legion. Uh, but before we do that, I thought it'd be fun to jump into a quick roll call. All wings report in. Red leader standing by. Gray leader standing by. Green leader standing by. Luck S falls in attack positions. So tonight, we're just going to briefly go over what's been your favorite new thing over the last couple months, uh, basically since we last recorded. Uh, Justin has asked that we start with him so no one steals his thunder. Justin, uh, take just, it away. Just because I know something you're very interested in, Andy. Uh, as of a couple months ago, I've been playing a lot of Crusader Kings 3. Uh, I saw someone online stream that game, and I downloaded it. I said, I'll give it a try. And I was originally in- intimidated because it's pretty uh, complicated, but it is so fun. It's it's definitely a very deep game. I had to step away because I got I was doing so so well, and then I got to a I got to a point where uh, my new leader is hated by so many people <laughs> that within two turns of my last save point, I have four or five rebellions going on that just overwhelm me. But yeah, that's a that's a great great new game, and that actually. That'll tie in with uh, my roll call as well. But before we hear mine, uh, I'm going to ask Ian about his. Well, I think it's our topic tonight. It's uh, Star Wars Legion, which is – the game's been out for – you mentioned new in the intro, Andy. New to us. The game's been out for a couple years, but but all of a sudden it's kind of caught fire with us. So that's what I've been painting and and playing. And so, yeah. And, of course, uh, The Mandalorian. That's awesome. Cool, cool. Uh, how about you, Matt? Just a quick update on what's your kind of favorite new thing. Um, <clears throat> Legion and 40K 9th Edition, which has been out for a couple of months at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think we'd uh, talked much about it. I've only played, uh, I think, two games of the new 40K 9th Edition. That's that's pretty high up on my list, too. Um, but like Ian, um, I have something that's maybe not necessarily new, new, but I just realized, uh, and it ties in with what Justin said. I didn't realize that my Xbox unlimited game pass also allows me to get games on my PC. Oh, cool. Um, 
Now, going forward, this will save me a small fortune. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, like 90% of the games that I would have gotten for free, I already own. Uh, oh. But going forward, knowing this, like as you know, Microsoft titles come out, but it did give me an opportunity to go back and try uh, a couple old games that I didn't own that I just wanted to kind of, kind of give a try at. So uh, that is, that is a huge deal. And actually I got a, you know, it's one of those things where I kind of saw it, but I didn't get it until I was talking with some other people and I realized, Oh, this is, this is a thing. So yeah, because Basically, it's just micro- across Microsoft, so that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, it, so, I didn't realize the, um, the Xbox Live stuff tied in, and until I started to see, like you know, when you see your friends are online, like I'd see Rich playing Conan Exiles or you know stuff, and it shows the little PC icon, and I was, so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I didn't realize that you can actually um, cross platform, not cross platform, but you know what I mean, download, you know, get them for free on PC if you, if you've got Xbox Gold. Yeah, no, so yeah, it's a lot of the, like, Xbox titles and stuff, and um, so a lot of the strategy games that I like and stuff are on there, <laughs> but like I said, like, a lot of the Halo stuff, there's a ton of stuff on there, so it's, it definitely makes it worthwhile. Cool. Did, you, did anybody get that new Xbox? No. I, are they, are, seriously, a thousand bucks? No. No, they're like they're, 600 bucks, don't worry about it. Maybe from scalpers on eBay. Yeah, oh, no, they're okay. like you can get one for under four. I thought for the the digital only version. Digital, well, I don't know. So there's a, so both with the new Xboxes and with the new Playstations, they made versions that don't have disc drives. So you're basically buying an all digital version, um, which, considering you know if you're if you're buying a game that you don't plan to resell, it's you know it's a great way of doing it. Um, but yeah, no, I already, I've decided that that's not going to be until after the holidays. I don't, um, but I will probably, I will end up with one. I will, I, I don't know if I'll bother to get the, the one with a drive. I think it has a slightly more memory, but you know, that'll be a wait. Steve, are you thinking about it? No, I I was just going to say that the, previous xbox i bought when red dead redemption 2 came out and that's literally all that i played on it and all that i've used it for is one single game so i mean i mean i meant to be honest i'm just a pc guy i play everything on pc so i don't see myself getting a new xbox because i barely even use the one i just bought so what about you matt because matt you also had playstation didn't you i do have a playstation 4 um i haven't gotten or yeah playstation 4 right the 5 is the one that just came out i haven't i haven't gotten either one. I have like three games I haven't even played yet on my Xbox One and PlayStation Four, so I'm in I'm in no rush to. Yeah, I'll wait. You know, because after a year they're gonna drop by a couple hundred bucks anyway. So yeah, usually yeah, usually that February time frame, like a little after Christmas. Um, but yeah, there's some PlayStation exclusives, so they'll have a new Ratchet and Clank, uh, which oh, yeah, I don't I know that they even had on four. So that'll be that'll be a big push for me, um, and then um, with the Xbox, you know, I I do like having that one too. There's some exclusives on that, especially now yeah. um, that um, Microsoft owns Bethesda. Um, yeah, that could get that True. could get really interesting. So yeah, but that'll be awesome. That'll be, that'll, that'll be perfect. That'll work out uh, 
by the next time we're ready to record, we'll probably have <laughs> yeah. those uh, those new setups. But uh, tonight, uh, we can move into the, the Thunderdome, where we're going to discuss uh, Star Wars Legion. Thunderdome's simple. Get to the weapons, use them any way you can. I know you won't break the rules. There aren't any. <laughs> All right, uh, welcome to the Thunderdome. Uh, tonight is How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Death Star, um, also known as uh, Star Wars Legion. Um, as Ian mentioned at the beginning, this is a game that's been out for a while. Um, I think we saw it, man, that was the last Gen Con I went to, which had to be, what, four years ago? I think it was Adepticon. Uh, no, it was a Gen Con. Oh, they, did, they did and, that because they were setting up the de- yeah, they were setting up the demo tables. And um, Jim Cullen, that's right. And I uh, think Andy and I were like right there in front. And then when they started doing the demos, like a bunch of people shoved past us, and we. That's why I didn't get a demo then. Oh, yeah, I got and one I think, at Adepticon. I did get one at Adepticon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I saw it at Adepticon too. And so that original starter box, I think, was what Empire uh, versus um, Rebels. the Rebels. Correct. Yeah, it came out. I just looked it up. It came out March. 2018 but it was revealed at gen con the year earlier okay 17 all right well. yeah, so 2018 would have been when i got the um the demo at adepticon yeah. which right, is the last right. adepticon i went to yeah so yeah i think a lot of us felt a little lackluster about it when it first came out uh but uh, you know our friend adam pitzer has always been a fan of it um and he's he's been playing for a while and now somehow all of us got kind of got the fever at the same time um which well, so, is nice when that happens with our group what had happened is uh is you know dave was talking about it and our local game store does like an auction so i saw a big lot of imp- a good size lot of imperial stuff so i picked it up and then the next week i was talking to ian about it and that was an easy sell for him so well yeah because i because you had, like you were interested in it before anyway but i, once I, I was had something to play Exactly. So it was a couple of things that, that kind of pushed it over the edge for me. The the demo at Adepticon, and again, you know, it's easy to blame the demo because they're a lot of times they're dumbed down and you don't get full rules and you've got limited troops that you're working with. Like I think the demo was literally like Luke and like a unit of troopers and maybe like one other thing. So it didn't really click for me there and, and locally really – None of our core group was playing it, but it's Star Wars, so I, I want to like it. And once I knew that the rest of you guys had it and I had people to play against and seemed like the game was decent, then it was a pretty easy sell at that point for me. Plus, I, I'm always a sucker for games that have their own uh, dice, their own custom dice that go with them. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, for me, Owen was playing with my Star Wars... The other Fantasy Flight Star Wars game, uh, the one that was Imperial based Assault. on this, uh, yeah, Imperial Assault, and so we decided to, you know, get the starter set, um, and we actually played because you can do like a uh, like a four hundred point or six hundred point, like basically a, a mm-hmm. smaller skirmish um, where you do a smaller board. Uh, it's more freeform, so we did that, um, and then. I won a big auction at, at our local game store, Midgard, as well. Uh, and that got me the uh, the Rebels and the Empire. So at that point, I had kind of four factions. So, yeah, I was ready to go. And then you guys all started jumping in, too. 
Yeah, yeah I did the whole sell and swap thing. I sold some D&D books and, and an extra, my Chaos Army for 40k, which I'm not playing, so suddenly I had a few hundred bucks to, to put into Legion, <laughs> so that helped. Yeah, for me, uh, I always saw like the ATST model on the shelf at the game store and like the Snowspear, and they were so awesome, and I wanted to buy those models so bad, but... I didn't really have anything. I didn't even really know what the game was. Like I, I was there for that demo, and I didn't think it was anything too great. You know, no one in the group was playing it. But then, you mentioned Adam Pitzer. It was like three weeks ago, maybe. He just messaged us on Facebook, and he's like, "Hey, are you guys talking about Legion? And, and uh, I have all this uh, extra starter box stuff. You want a want a little action?" I was like, "Oh yes!" And he's <laughs> he sent me an incredible deal on two full clone starter sets plus a bunch of extra stuff. So now I have all that. I have well yeah, over like, awesome. twelve hundred points. Yeah, so I think uh, a little later we'll talk about some of the factions when we think about that. Um, I was going to try to kind of break this up into kind of questions here about some of the stuff that's in there. So I'm going to give this one to Ian first, but we can all kind of chime in as well. So I know that they're not unique to other FFG games, but the movement guides are kind of a unique mechanic in skirmish games. What do, you, do you think this kind of slows down the game, speeds up the game? How do you feel about some of those movement guides that you have for for Legion? Uh, that's a good question because I didn't think about it, but you're right. It probably does slow the game down a little bit. For those that don't know, there are things can move at three different speeds. There's like a one, two, and a three, and it's essentially a, a movement marker with a, a pivot point in the middle to make it flexible but you put it up against the base of the model that you're moving and uh and then you can move it slide it along and put it at the end or anywhere along there so rather than a straight up tape measure which we're all i think part of it is we're so used to from so many years of 40k and everything we're so used to that tape measure movement and just you know putting the tape measure down and and bumping your figure up to you know where it's supposed to be it does take a little bit of a getting used to with the movement markers and the templates but um Ultimately, I think it's kind of a, a good system, especially when you factor in something like the speeder bikes, which have a compulsory movement because they're they're moving so fast that they have to, you know, they have to make a, a movement at first when they activate, and it's difficult to turn them and get them going maybe in the direction that you want. But that's I think that's part of they're kind of making it feel more thematic and more real like those because those speeder bikes are moving so fast it would be difficult to to maneuver them so so i think the the turn the uh, movement markers do take a little bit of getting used to but i think ultimately uh i I think the game is served pretty well by them so matt what do you think because i know with armada those are pretty common um even the flexible ones there so do you think that's just something that fantasy flight does to kind of standardize the game a little bit uh yeah i mean i haven't really seen it in many other games besides fantasy flight i think it makes actually it makes movement much more precise right because you have to move along this line you don't have to move the whole thing but there's no you know sticking a tape measure out six inches and kind of fiddling around with it to see you oh i can go here 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 um and i mean the thing thing about the game too is right is you don't have to move every model you just have to move your unit leader and then you just kind of put the other models around it Right, which so, I love. I think yeah, that's so, fantastic. Uh, so you may have a squad of like Dave has his battle droid squad of like eight, eight models, but he really only has to move one and then just kind of sh- you know arrange the other ones around it. It's interesting that you brought up uh, the the precision piece um, because a lot of times you're you're right. You're moving just the leader of that unit, um, and oftentimes when you're drawing sight, uh, you're you're drawing sight to the leader, uh, and then. You know, some other things will be based on the number of models that you can see, but um, I think it 
I think where they definitely have a competitive element to the games that they create, whether it be Legion or Armada, uh, even X-Wing, like those kind of precision movements, you know, become a big part, big part of their game. I overall actually think it's faster um, because I'm not overthinking where my vehicle is going to go or where my guys are going to go because I've kind of got this little movement thing. So guys are a little bit more flexible, but in the end, you know, there's basically a circle that they can go in. Um, you know, I know it's the same technically with 40K, but it, it it seems to kind of cut out overthinking movement sometimes. Well, especially with, with vehicles too, because, right, infantry troops, they can kind of go wherever they want, but vehicles have a notch in the front that the movement tool fits in, and that's the way they have to move. Yeah. Right? So there's not a lot of fiddle-faddling about, you know, which how can I move my vehicle? It's you slide the tool in the front, adjust it however you want at the pivot point, and then that's where it goes. Yeah. Tool. Yeah, so that's that's one. It's definitely something that's not unique to Fantasy Flight games, but it is unique to a lot of skirmish games. I just, uh, I thought that was a, I like it overall. Um, so obviously when you're talking about a game about Star Wars, like the models are going to be really important. Um, it's, you know, we've grown up seeing all different kinds of kind of Star Wars figures. And I know, Justin, you mentioned one of the things that kind of drew you in uh, were some of the figures. Did you have an opportunity to put together any of the models that you got from Adam, or were they all kind of pre-assembled? Oh, yeah. No, he, they were all just shipped in little baggies, um, unassembled, and I put them all together um, so far. So, I even print out some custom bases and stuff. But So you did droids, right? No, I have clone troopers. He kept the droids, oh, he, and he okay. sent me the clone troopers. Yep. Oh, uh, okay, um, okay. Because one thing that I did notice with these models, and I wanted to get your opinion, Justin, too, because you know you've got kind of you're one of the more artistic people uh, in our group here. So there's a high quality to them. But did you find the instructions interesting when it came to these models? I didn't even have instructions, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I just kind of looked and because every single guy was individually bagged, so it was a body and two arms and a head. Which You're is in the book, enough. though. I see you flipped um, through the book. In yeah, the I noticed book. that now that I first time I've looked at the book. But... <laughs> That's I, mean, right. I promise not there, to ask you any hard questions, so. Justin. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so Ian, what did you – Ian, did you put any together or did, was most of yours pre-assembled too? No, I actually bought the Imperial and Rebel starter – set so i had to assemble all of mine i did get some stuff from matt that he got in an auction uh some of it was pre-assembled and some wasn't but i've at this point i bought so much stuff off the shelf brand new that i've assembled a ton of stuff um for the most part i'm actually pretty happy with the assembly i think they all fit together really nicely I'm, i'm usually not a fan of push fit models um but i feel like these ones go together really well i i did you know sometimes there's a little extra um you know, kind of plastic printing junk um, within the, uh, you know, maybe in the channel where you got to slide the arm in or whatever. So I had to trim a few here and there, but I'd say for the most part, like probably 95% of them go together really clean and smooth. So I've I've actually really enjoyed assembling these models. Well, that's the thing with the um, with the newer models, like the clones and the droids, they're on sprues, right? Like normal, like you would expect. The, I have done some sprue ones, like the the Clan Ren Mandalorians are sprues, and yeah, and Squad are also sprues. Yeah, yeah but a lot of the yeah. a lot of the models you're playing with, if you get Rebels or Imperials, are going to be like the uh, Fantasy Flight push fit, right? So two arms and a body. 
So normally I don't like Pushfoot because it doesn't allow you to do any customization as much customization. Right, yeah. The droids literally have for those little tiny droids mm-hmm. have twelve pieces. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard those were ridiculous. They are so I I would give them an A plus for like the detail on these minis, and I think they really had to go for that because it it is Star Wars and people would be super critical. But oh my gosh, whoever decided that these were good instructions, like that guy got it. That has to be fired. Like <laughs> it is literally a picture yeah. of the droid with the parts labeled, and then like. Like, blown it, out. Ikea has better instructions. That's right. how the Mandalorians are, too. That's how Clan Ren is. Yeah. It's it's literally, it's like these pieces, and, you know, on the sprues they're labeled, it's like A, B, C, you know, so you know which ones go together. But at the same time, there and and honestly, there, there weren't any pieces where I was like, I don't know what this is. Although I will say on Inferno Squad, the Imperial, like, Special Forces, they come with, like, a little, an optional little, I can't even tell what it is, a pack or something. I put, like, one on the uh, under the belt on the butt of one guy, and I was like, that's good. I'm out. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what this is. They need it. <laughs> they're definitely very early. Like, you can tell that all before they've just done push fit or models that were just one piece because I mean I, I can remember like early games workshop instructions were equally as awful. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess I have looked up like when you buy an old set off an auction or yeah. something or in a going out of business store sale, you know, you go online and find those instructions. Um I so I had to bring this up because it is really my only big gripe with this game uh yeah. was putting together the droids. And it was funny too because it was just only like, oh I was like, oh me and Owen will do this and I've been doing so many 40k models that I was I thought I was going to be putting together something like Marines where there's a couple different pieces but a little bit of plastic glue they're pretty straightforward they're really forgiving droids are not forgiving um <laughs> Well, they they're probably don't, thin too. They're little arms. They're oh, yeah. so thin, and yeah, they yeah. don't plastic glue well. Aren't their so heads the two pieces? Yeah, their heads are two pieces. Oh my they're god! Heads. And they're tiny. The little bowling. Yeah. It, it's it reminds me of like early Malifaux models where there was one one guy that had a goatee, and the goatee was a separate piece. <laughs> right. Like, but the Malifaux was that softer plastic that yeah. like plastic glue worked well. Yeah, with. yeah, yeah. This is almost that. This is that harder plastic yeah. that if you're going to use plastic glue, it it takes a little bit longer. So it's not worth using plastic glue. So then you're using super glue. And now you're talking about super tiny pieces with plastic glue. It, there is a droid, like every once in a while, I think out of the sets that I put together, there's always a droid that's completely wrong. Cause he's the last <laughs> one. Cause I'm so right. tired. Of, right. Right. Like I like, he could have a sprue for a leg for all I care at that point. Um, but yeah, so that's, I had to bring that up cause it's my biggest gripe. Uh, I put together droids first before anything else. So, um, yeah, that was, yeah. So, so I, sorry, Andy, just um, maybe you were going to ask about this anyway, but I, if not, I want to do at least some yeah. chime in just about like the, I, the, the way that they sell the sets. I don't know if we were going to oh, talk great. about that. Yeah. The, um, the, the box sets and, and the starter sets come with, let's say you buy a box of stormtroopers. You get seven stormtroopers in there. The base unit is only four. So it comes with three extras, and they're generally variations, like a heavy weapon or a couple of heavy weapons, maybe an alternate leader. So the way that they structure their sets, I think, is phenomenal because it gives you a ton of flexibility right out of the box. And honestly, the 
like you get two squads of troopers and and stormtroopers in the um rebels versus empire starter that's 14 you know troopers and you could you could make 3 now you don't have the card for them but the you know and the token but in theory you have you have enough for 3 uh full troop units right out of the box so i really like that they do that yeah, so each each like for a stormtrooper squad, right? There's the four basic troopers. Then there's two different heavy weapons, and then those squads can get an additional guy, just a regular guy. So you get the additional regular guy. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I I definitely think the the boxes the the starter sets are definitely worth it. Um, and obviously, you know, having having that in there is um, is fun. Now, so in in talking about some of those you know different models. Um, obviously, you know, when it first came out, it was rebels versus empire. Um, and then they did, um, after that, you know, we saw the Republic, you know, versus, uh, the, um, separatist Alliance. So one of the things that I've, you know, I, I thought I've been thinking a lot about is theme theme, right? So when you're putting together a list, like, can you put together a list that is both thematic and competitive? Um, Cause I, I look at it, like I see some battle reports and you've got, you've got snow troopers alongside beach troopers uh, <laughs> alongside uh, the um, Imperial guard. Um, that's not their right name, but um, so <laughs> Matt, what, what do you think about that? You know, do you think it's possible to have a list that is, thematic but still kind of fun enough to play oh yeah because i the first list i played uh when i when Ian and i played was um it was those shore troopers death troopers and then some yep. some scout i mean this so like the sniper teams are just they come in the scout box but yep. i bet somebody out there has made like 3d printable like shore trooper snipers you know what i mean because yeah. it's just yeah. it's just the unit and the equipment they have um, but I think, I definitely think you can, like, I want to play, uh, a list with veers and it's snow troopers, storm troopers, and like an ATST. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 And actually the one you played, Matt, was somewhat thematic because you had the shore troopers, you had the, the death troopers and you had Krennic. So yeah. And then I had some, and one. then I had some, just some regular storm troopers too, yeah. yep. which works. So yeah. Are, or like you, I've, I've played Han and Chewie together, which is, yeah, yeah. Exactly. which is nice. But then what do you think about, like, so your Bantha, uh, not Bantha, um, uh, Tauntaun unit is awesome. But, like, that's definitely got, like, that Hoth theme to yeah. it. Uh, but when you put that in with, like, and I know there's some veteran rebel uh, units that have kind of that Hoth theme as well. Um, do you think that takes away at all, Ian, when you're doing kind of the, th- you know, you're doing a unit that's awesome, but it doesn't necessarily match in with some of the other units theme wise. Yeah, I mean you've got to you've got to have a little bit of suspension of of disbelief from a canon standpoint anyway to mix in some of this stuff cuz like cuz like another one that I want to pick up is Cassian Andor and you know I could see running him alongside Han or something like that even though obviously they canon wise they they never interacted or met. Um so you you kind of got to put that on hold too but also I could see, you know, maybe there's some extra room when they're 
evacuating Hoth. They're like they're not going to leave those Tauntauns that they've worked so hard to to train and to yeah. and to yeah and to you know to to make docile. And so I'm sure somewhere on those those Rebel transport ships there was a bunch of there was a whole pen of Tauntauns. So do we even know if Tauntauns works. are native to Hoth? We're we're just assuming that. I huh? think they are. I think they are. All right. All that right. Wampa's got to eat something. Yeah. True. True. They eat other wampas. Well, and I, you know, I think the thing too is if you look online, there are, like, you can find, I don't, you know, I think they're in the box snowtroopers, but I think they're actually like, you know, in like dangerous environmental area troop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. their gear is for that. So there are people that have painted them in camo schemes and, you well, know. And and one of the cool things too, and I know I've been mentioning it a bunch, and you guys probably want me to shut up about it, but the the Star Wars costumes book that came out a few years ago is is awesome as a painting guide, but it's also really cool to see thematically what they did and how they carried things forward. I, I also have the Rogue One Visual Dictionary, and they carried things pieces here and there forward. So if you look closely at certain gear in like what the what they wear in Rogue One, um, you know the Strike Team is similar but not quite the same as the Rebel Commandos on Endor in Return of the Jedi, and some of the jacket things are the same or the pants, but they change the colors. So thematically. There's very much a very uh, a through line of of the styles of clothing and jackets and things like that that the rebels use. So yeah, mixing and matching the colors like uh, for my for my troopers, the rebel troopers, which look like the Endor commandos. I'm doing some in like a city camouflage, like urban camouflage, like blues and grays. So I I think that's um I think that there is flexibility, but you could also be completely true to what you saw on screen uh, in the movies if you want to as well. Yeah, yeah cool. just, just just my little thing on theme real quick. Uh, I've played one game, a learning game, against Dave. Dave had his Separatist droid army led by Count Dooku, and I borrowed Matt, some of Matt's Imperials led by Darth Vader. And it wasn't thematic at all when Count Dooku struck down Darth Vader in hand-to-hand combat, and then a stormtrooper came up and punched Count Dooku in the face and killed him. <laughs> That's not thematic, but it was awesome. It was like the best moment in anything Star Wars. It was great. So, I mean, you still, even when you're you doing stuff like that, you still get those cool little moments and stuff. Justice fanfic incoming. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so one of the other things that I think sets this uh, skirmish game apart um, is how you set up the the game itself. So if you're if you're playing a standard eight hundred point game, um, I think there's a really neat mechanic in terms of choosing. So you choose a condition, uh, a mission, and a deployment. Um, and I really like that element um do you guys think that this kind of provides a little more balance compared to say other ways missions are picked sometimes um i, I think of even with the newest version of 40k it's still you know you have a little bit with more with secondary objectives and stuff uh that are kind of unique to you uh but oftentimes you know you don't have a say on the deployment it is you know if it comes out a certain way, that's what you're going to play with this. You know, if deployment really becomes important to you, you can, you can have some effect to that. Um, Matt, you're probably the most competitive player amongst us. What do you think about that kind of determination of condition, mission and deployment? I think it's really interesting, right? Cause you have, <clears throat> so the way it works is both players come with their cards ready. You have uh, three of each, each thing Andy was talking about. But whosoever army is lower points, you use that person's cards, right? So when I build an army, what am I going to do? Am I going to, you know, have a, a, a 
lower point army, hope that we use my cards and then build my army to be able to achieve my cards? Or am I going to build a full 800 point army and try and make sure that my army, you know, can take on whatever cards you might have? So it's it's a whole other aspect of, of strategy to the game. Um, and it's interesting because you shuffle them up and you lay them out. So you don't, you know, they're not always going to be in the same order. And then players go back and forth vetoing one of the cards, right? Yeah. So, like, when I played Dave last week, I was happy with the first row of cards, so I skipped my first veto, right? And then Dave vetoed something, I did it, you know, then I vetoed, you know, something, because you get, everybody gets two vetoes, you go back and forth, so um, you have to, you know, you get to see how the cards flip, and then what what do I want to try and get, or what can I, what can I deal with? Like, what what don't I want to get to, because there's no way I'm going to be able to deal with that. Right, right. What did you think, Ian? Because I know with ours, like we ended up with a pretty kind of standard one, but it could have been like one that would have affected our vision and stuff. Um, so I like the ability to kind of knock things out. Yeah, I do too, because you can you can take a look at what's available, and you can figure out, okay, kind of like what <clears throat> excuse me, what Matt said. Can I? Is this one I can handle? Is this one that's going to really hinder me in the game? You know, and you can kind of really prioritize what your you know what your army will be able to do or or what conditions might help or hurt you and and then you can make your decisions from there so i think it's a really nice very simple but but pretty strong element to the game and to picking you know what the mission's going to be and and all of that yeah so one of the other things i think that helps star wars with theme especially is how you set up the terrain um and when i first look at first looked at the terrain rules like i i i wasn't sure um but i think as we start to play more games um i think they've done terrain in a very elegant way um so you really can have anything out there you just have to kind of agree to to the terrain type um what's your taking in kind of on the on those terrain rules do you think they they allow for that theme to be in there or are they more like kind of 40 K where there's so many kind of intricacies to terrain that if you don't put the right stuff out there, the game kind of starts to bog down a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I like it. It's, it's fairly simplistic as far as, you know, what's light cover, hard cover, things like that. But it does, it does give you some flexibility for what you want to put down. Like you can make thematic tables you know, for if you want to recreate Endor or the streets of Mos Eisley or whatever you want to do, you can totally do that. But you do have to kind of, you know, mix in smaller scatter terrain and things like that. But I think overall the the terrain rules and, and the way that it allows you to set stuff up is, is pretty flexible. And again, it, it helps you keep within the theme. And, you know, if you want to do a, a specific type of table, you can totally do that within the rules and just kind of figure out and agree on what's what, you know, with your opponent, hardcover, light cover, all that before you start. There, there so are Matt, just the, oh, there sorry, are just go the, ahead, Justin. Sorry, just because there are just the two, right? Light cover or hardcover, that's it, right? For terrain? Yeah, so terrain has this, it's either open, difficult, or impassable, and then it either provides light cover or heavy cover. And then you just have to kind of figure out, you know, if you have tall stuff, how how much it takes you to get up there or down. But it's pretty simple. Like, there's not there's not tons to it, so it does give you that flexibility to do kind of whatever you want. Yeah, I think, um, I think this is a game, too, that is definitely going to benefit from 
uh, terrain in terms of theme. Um, I think it would, you know, with with 40k um, and some other skirmish, like 40k can be almost anything because uh, you know the, there's so many planets out there, and it, yeah. it and while there is a visual style to 40k, there isn't there isn't a visual dictionary for. 40k the way there is for star wars like ian said there's there's definitely a you know a visual history to to this game so i think i think they did those terrain rules in a way that you can literally put anything out there um but if you want to have like ian said most nicely i watched a battle report today you know that they for the most part it looked like regular scatter terrain but then there was like a landing pad that had a tie fighter on it and i was like that makes it and the, but it, that tie fighter is just you know that landing pads just heavy cover um so i i think it's i think they did a good job of keeping those rules simple uh to allow for theme but i also again think it skips back to the idea that this is designed as a competitive game well and, and the nice thing about star wars is there's so many different lines of toys and stuff out there that like a lot of the stuff you see in those battle reports because i haven't watched some too it's it's a model kit right that's the scale is real what I read a big long post about it on a forum. There's like if you have the actual scale of the models, you're going to be way too big. But this is a little bit of a smaller scale, and it looks good on the tabletop, right? And they're they're those like eight dollar model kits. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I have yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a good point. I, yeah, and I have old toys. I actually have the old um, uh, bunker that uh, from yeah. Endor. That and size wise, it's a little big. You know, the doors are, but but overall, you could totally use it. Same thing. I have like the old, um, some old Hoth stuff and uh, from play sets, and it it totally works. Yeah, they have Justin. You know that ATST toy you have somewhere at Mom's house? Oh yeah. I think that was in a in a battle report somewhere, like on a table. Nice. Uh, I was just going to say that Andy, you might be able to speak to this a little bit. I don't know if you've done any research, but. I mean, since Star Wars is so well known and, you know, the movies are out and everything, it's very, in my research, it's very easy to find 3D printable stuff from Star Wars as well. Like, I was yeah. just, I just did a simple search and someone designed, like, an entire, like, the exterior of an entire Camino cloning facility with, like, all the walkways and the giant landing platforms. If you want to print it out, you can print it out and it'll take up, like, a huge table with all these different levels of walkways and all kinds of different stuff. And there's people out there that, um, there's a, like three or four different companies that do laser cut stuff, right? It matches aesthetically pretty easy if you like the laser cut wood look. Yeah, the MDF, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think with a solid universe like this, um, I, that got us there as well. Um, cool. We've talked a little bit about the setup of the game, a little bit about some of the components. When it comes to gameplay, I think there's two... Something that's a little bit unique, something that's not necessarily unique to skirmish games, but it's the idea of the command cards and then activation tokens. So command cards are are, are kind of unique, um, you know, uh, but the activation tokens, the kind of you go, I go, definitely is, you know, it's been used in other other games before. Um, do we feel that that kind of that random activation? can take away from player skill or is that just like another skill that you have to have when you're playing the game? What do you think about that, Ian? I I think it's a mix of both because your command card will allow you to pick which units get the face-up activation token. So if you do have, uh, you know, say a unit that's got to get something done, whether it's claiming an, an objective or if they're close to dying and you want to make sure that they 
you know, get in the last shot or whatever they need to do before they go off. You can prioritize and give that unit a, a you know, a command token with your command card. Uh, but then you do also have to be flexible because you don't know when those other random ones are going to come up. So I think it's a little bit of both. You've got, you know, you've you've got the planning aspect by being able to to pinpoint you know, a specific unit or two that you want to use for, you know, uh, a specific goal, but then you do have to kind of play it as it comes and, and, but your opponent's doing the same thing and you'll obviously, since it's, I go, you go, you'll react to what they're doing anyway. So, you know, by the time it gets to a certain unit, you know, you might have a different option for them than what you had at the start of the turn. Yeah. I think there's also that balance too, because some, oftentimes those command cards are based on whoever is, uh, your kind of leader and the specialist that you bring, since you're making that deck of command cards, you can end up with command cards that give you really powerful abilities for a single character, but then you're giving up the activation, you know, your opportunity to choose exactly who's going to activate. So, you know, I think there's a balance in there as well. Um, Dave, what do you think about building that balance between those command cards and you know the you go I go of activations? Dave Farr, everybody, Dave Farr. Yay! Sorry, <laughs> life got in the way. Um, yeah, I think to me the the command cards have really two two really important elements. Um, one being just the the flavor that they bring to the to the game, and you know maybe we talk about that. And I don't know if that's another question, but specifically. Like if I look at Grievous, right? So I play Separatists, Drone Army. Like Grievous has um, a really powerful card. It's a, but it only lets him give himself an order token. And so in that, when I use that card, Grievous can weigh lace, uh, lay waste, whatever. Um, he can do both. He can, he can yeah. totally weigh lace too. <laughs> yeah, he could do either. So he's really flexible. But um but like I played Matt, Matt didn't know it was coming, and so he didn't really defend well against it, and I think I killed seven or eight troopers in one turn. But for a droid army, I only had that one order token, so the rest of my army was all totally random in the stack. So I think the the game does a good job of saying like, oh, we could give you a really powerful turn but they have another lever that they can pull back so that um, so that it's a little bit more balanced. So um, I don't know. I, I, I find that part of the game to be one of the more elegant parts that makes it a little bit unique from other miniature games. Well, don't your droids have activation token chaining or something? Like when you assign one to this guy, you get to give them to someone else too or something? Yeah. That's so, a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, so if I, if I am smart with my deployment, and I keep all my units within six inches of each other. If I give a, a unit to a droid, yeah, they have what's called cascading order. So the order kind of jumps to the next and I can keep that going for as long as I, as I can keep the chain going. And I like that because it's part of like the built-in theme of Star Wars where they're all just droids with programming and it kind of just like does its thing, you know? Yep. I'm trying to say. Yep. Yeah. Um, Matt, what do you, what do you think about that kind of the random activation component where you, you may not kind of get the, get to go with the guy that you need to go with next? Well, I think that's part of the strategy of the game, right? Is okay. So I need this unit to do something. So I need to pick a command card that gets, let's has them that I can give them a phase of order token so I can activate them when I need to, or, 
Um, you know, it's also how you how you build your army and who you give orders to, right? So, like, if I have a bunch of troop units and maybe just, you know, one or two other units, if I give those two units the orders, then I know when I go in my bag, I'm going to get a troop unit. Yeah. Or I know there's, you know, there's eight tokens in my bag. There's a one in eight chance I'm not going to get a troop unit or something like that. So Right. We, sh- we should mention, too, real quick that your troop units, it's you could have three or four different troop units out. When you pull a troop token, it's for any of your troops. It doesn't, that hasn't yeah, been activated. It- there's only there's what one two three there's five different unit types commander specialist troop support and heavy and the tokens for each type are the same so when you pull a token you can activate any one of those units. Is um, operative the same as uh, specialist? Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, there is special forces. I think there's six, but yeah, anyway, that's what yeah. it is. Special forces support, but uh, yeah. yeah. So there's just a few different types. So when you're building your army, you have to kind of think about that too, right? Because there's there's a set of generic. Um, order cards but then each character has three of their own order cards that you can use to build a command hand and that's the other thing too you you choose there's almost a deck building aspect to it where you pick which command cards you you take into the game yeah and i think i think that gives a little variety um in terms of gameplay but there's there's also kind of building your army too and i you know we mentioned before that when you buy you know a unit of stormtroopers you're getting you know Four regular troopers, you know, the, the possibility to add in another regular troopers and then usually two heavies. But those are all based on kind of upgrades and, and equipment cards. And that's a whole other component to this game. Yeah. Is, is that what kind of adds a little bit of variety so that even if, I, if I'm bringing stormtroopers, I can kind of flavor my, my list a little bit differently? And I know this is something that you really like about the game, Ian. Yeah, I like, and they took it from X-Wing, which I thought was a really good mechanic. Each unit has a little list of icons down the left-hand side that shows how you can upgrade them. It could be, you know, anything from more troopers to heavy troopers, you know, in a troop unit to, um, you know, specific weapons or uh, other gear to just tactics type stuff. Like there's one that I really like that um, uh, it's called Tenacity where you, um, I think that's what it's called, where if you're wounded, you get to add an extra red die in uh, melee combat. So that's good. I've used it with like the Wookiee Warriors. I've used it with Vader. So so there's different things that you can uh, kind of upgrades and that and they cost points and that's how you get to your points level aside from your actual troops is by giving them the upgrades. So the flexibility in there is is really fun and, and gives you some, some real variety in, you know, the types of um, units and, and how you fill out the, your basic, you know, squads of troops. I want to add to that though. Cause one of, one of the things that I like that they do different, and I'm sure there are other games that do it too, but instead of like 40 K where I could be like, Oh, I'm going to buy all this stuff and I'm going to have one unit. That's got like all this gear. Like you have a gear slot, right? So that one gear slot is, you know, like you're like I find myself making tough choices because I'm like oh gosh I kind of want the electro binoculars but maybe it'd be better to take the comm scanner and so you you know um, I, I that that part to me is 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 fun and it's also kind of like not to get into the finances of the game but like I thought I was smart on their part because like if you buy an upgrade pack of cards like I was like yeah I'll spend the ten bucks on the cards because almost. All the cards can, you know, ninety percent of the cards can be used by any faction, you know. Yeah, yeah, they definitely have some faction specific ones, which you know I, I think are neat. But then they do, they do have those kind of open, open ones that are out there. Um, 
this also gets back to, you know, we were talking a little bit before about, um, you know, putting together, you know, your army and stuff um, and whether or not, you know, picking units breaks breaks theme. I wonder, too, with some of the equipment, are you just getting like sometimes I look at the equipment because I'm like, oh, I definitely think my scout should have you know, the long range comms because they're the, they're the scout and that's, um, and so sometimes I think it works with the theme and then other times I'm like, eh, would those guys, would the troopers really be given long range comms? Uh, so I, I do play that in my head a little bit where I'm like, am I breaking theme to, to be, to have a better army? Um, but I do, I, I think the cards that come with the units, uh, initially kind of stick with that theme, but then the fact that you can kind of mix and match afterwards, allows you to do a little bit that. Well, and what's what's nice too is um, you know, just your ba- the basic stormtrooper rebel unit, right? They have once there's an expansion, right, that you can get that adds some more guys <clears throat> to add to the units, but at that point you have four different heavy weapons and you can take one, right? And each heavy weapon does something different. Like it works better against a different type of enemy unit. And then also like if I take stormtroopers and put a medical droid in that unit, they're going to have a completely different function than a stormtrooper unit that I give a heavy weapon and grenades to, right? They're going to be doing something completely different during the game. So it lets you, definitely lets you, you know, change your tactics and make make each list a little more interesting. Yeah. So obviously those weapon uh, upgrades, equipment upgrades, give us a little bit of variety. Um, one of the things I always worry about, it's a, I think it's a little bit easier with skirmish games, that with four factions, do you have, do you have enough variety? Um you know, what happens, you know, I think, yeah, just exactly that. You know, do you have enough variety, you know, with four factions? How do you kind of get to additional variety? Because I, I see a lot of stuff coming for, you know, some of the Empire and the Rebels. But, you know, I look at droids and, you know, I know we have the Clone Wars to draw on. But, you know, I want, I wonder about, you know, where, where we're going to get kind of new and kind of variety out of those droids and i i think it's sort of you know i think the next if we see another starter set is going to be first order and in, in new republic or whatever they call them the resistance but you know i i think like with the rebel and imperial stuff right they had that was like season one or whatever you want to call it they released a whole bunch of stuff now it's just like a character here a unit there um i mean i'm hoping that they can I assume they'll figure out something to, you know, to keep releasing stuff. But I think that's one of those problems with any Star Wars game, right? Is you, unless you start getting into stuff like um, Dark Forces, you know, all those old video games and, and crazy expanded universe stuff, it's, or just start making stuff up, then you have a, a pretty finite amount of things you can release. Yeah, I would love to see like a sort of like a, a crime syndicate, like the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the huts, you know, the smugglers and just like yeah. what they did. The old Job of the hut movement one half. <laughs> yeah. But do you have, do you have enough, days. do you have enough variety in those, in those types of units to kind of make them unique? Cause if you look at, if you look at yeah, the look at Mandalorian, the TV show. Right. But so a lot of those are solo characters though. So, you know, you've got to, to keep it balanced, you still have to have, like vehicles, you have to have the those six different types of units uh, that we were talking about before. So I, personally, I think the four are pretty balanced. Yeah. Um, I wonder where they go 
within those four to kind of you know keep kind of coming up with new things because it is droids seem especially limited right it's an ip that has some built-in limitations to it um i think they're doing a fantastic job now i just wonder where you know where this goes next i i think like so they're coming out with darth maul right and I would say one of the nice things about the droids, though, is that they can, well, I, I guess about any army, really, is they can make stuff up, right? Like, where, Can they, though? Where did, they haven't where, so far. Well, I, but where I did think, those special forces droids come from? Because I don't remember those in movies, but maybe they were. They're in, they're in the cartoon. They're in the, they're cartoon in the Clone Wars, yeah. I think they're going to tap into the cartoons, right? Because it's not... The army isn't battle droids; it's the Confederacy of Independent True. Systems, right? So there's there's tons of other non-droid armies in the cartoon that, and they had allies know. too. Like if even yeah, if that's what I mean. Like uh, revenge or uh, attack of the I'll clones. play the banking clan. <laughs> no, but like the Geonosians, <laughs> the Geonosians would be kind of fun because oh, yeah. they yeah. kind of they're kind of like insect-like and they can fly, and they certainly had like like large numbers. I could see them being almost like a small swarm, you know, unit or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm hoping that they're, they, they're able to do some of that stuff from the Clone Wars. Um, but I, I think overall they've done a pretty good job of kind of balancing that stuff out. All right, so I, wanna, I, I wanted to kind of end with more of a, a fun, fun question. Um, we, could start, we could start with uh, Justin on this one. Um, so is there, Justin, is there a character or unit that you would like to see in the game, no matter how kind of ridiculous you think it would fit in there. But is there a character or unit um, vehicle that you'd like to see in uh, Star Wars Legion? It's not ridiculous, but just keeping on the clone theme, I would love to see, uh, what is it, the ATRT, the six-legged walker from um, Attack of the Clones with the giant cannon on its back. That'd be so awesome. Oh, that's that's the L for it. The, I, <laughs> yeah. I think that might be just about the size limit of things that they can do because it's bigger than an ATST, I think. But just to see to have that would be so awesome. That would yeah, that's cool. a pretty pretty big model. That'd be beefy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be beefy. That'd be so cool though. <laughs> All right, Dave. Since you were late to the party, I'll let you go next. I don't know. I, I mean, for me, I'm a I think ninety percent of the reason I bought this. Uh, is because I wanted to paint Darth Maul, and I heard he was going to be for Droid. So, um, but I guess um, I don't know. I've been watching The Mandalorian with Dex, and um, I guess there's just a ton of cool stuff in The Mandalorian that I'd like to see. Maybe I, I, I'd go a different direction. You know, in Warcry, have they have like the beasts that come out of the out of the stuff? I'd like to see them maybe come out with some of the like some of the creatures and have them be like something that could like be a battle, you know, like the green cards that affect the battlefield. They, like... they have a Rancor, don't they? No, that's oh, for my... Imperial. Oh, so. was that? In... Oh, I yeah, just yeah, that'd be awesome mini. too though. But yeah, but maybe it, that's like, not uh... a bad, that's not a bad idea, Dave. Like, cause you have like, if you've got the Tauntauns, you get the do back. Like you could have, you know, Bombs. I know, uh, yeah, you could have, uh, those creatures that were in the, uh, the separatist kind of fighting arena there. Um, you know mm-hmm. that uh, you could yeah, like you he could ho- easily he fights that big horn thing. I don't. I think it's called yeah, a yeah, the mud horn, horn maybe mud, mud horn. horn. Yep, yep. Which is I think it's actually called a reek because that is one what Andy was talking about in the in Attack of the Clones the in the fighting pit. That's that's the same creature. Yeah. Yep. What about you, Matt? Uh well they they did the 
you know, I thought it would be cool if they kind of tapped into other stuff, and they did with the uh, the special forces unit because you can build the squad from Battlefront Two from yep. that kit, yep. which is pretty cool. So I think like any you know more stuff like that where they just tap into like um, uh, you know stuff from different video games. All right, Ian. Uh, if I'm going silly, I'll go Jackson, the big rabbit from the old comics. <laughs> no, that's not canon. That is not uh, coming in. Max uh, Rebo. <laughs> um, but one that I would really love to see is a two-pack, and I, I would guess that this is hopefully on their on their list of things to do because they did it similarly with uh, Cassie Andor and uh, K2SO. I would love to see Baze Malbus and Chirrut Imwe from, uh, in a two-pack from, uh, mm. from Rogue One because uh, oh, Baze's, cool. Baze's gun would be phenomenal. Well, so the one that I can't believe isn't in there yet is that I really want to see. I want Lando. He's coming. Oh yeah, I'm, he's coming. <laughs> yep. He's next year. They, pre- they previewed him. Oh, yeah. they previewed him. Yeah, uh, they previewed him with IG88 because he's the other one that I can't believe isn't there yet. No, I, I don't know yeah. about other. I, I'd love to see all the bounty hunters because I was painting Bosk today. Well, well I they, think the, they. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, in the bounty hunters, add an interesting rule to the game where if you, you know, you pick a character, give them a bounty token, and if you kill them and your bounty hunter is still alive at the end of the game, you get an extra point. Just yeah. like um, R2-D2, if he can get into your opponent's deployment zone, he can get an extra victory point, right? So they, they add more interesting stuff to the game, too, with the different characters, so. No, like, um, is some of the stuff from Timothy Zahn, is that canon? Because I know Thrawn is... But like Mara Jade and some of those characters, are they still? I don't still... think she's currently. I don't think canon. they are anymore. No, uh, just Thrawn, who got Thrawn who is. got, who got, got taken book. by a space whale. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can do it. Like yeah. he he would be an interesting kind of um, add on to the Empire as well. But I was trying to think of you know from the Rebel side, you have like a lot of kind of <laughs> shadow characters and stuff that are in some of the novelizations and stuff, but you know, could you throw an Admiral Akbar in there? Um, you know, Dude, cause you have Cal. need, need some Mon Calamari for sure. Right. Well, so you and Bothans, um, cause I would love to have Manny Bothans. Yeah, I was going to say a <laughs> special character, Manny Bothans. Well, yeah. they do have, um, somebody was on some thread was talking about having somebody like, uh, like Tarkin in there. Right. Cause there's, yeah. a, there's a keyword, non-combatant in the game where like you di- you can't do any fighting but they could be characters just give out orders you know well like wedge there's a there's an upgrade card, card for yeah. wedge antilles um but you know for, you can add to vehicles um yeah so i think i think there's so i'm not entirely worried about room to grow for certain things i don't i guess i don't know enough about the Clone Wars cartoon show to to know, and then whether or not they pull from Rebels as well. well they already uh, have. They already have. Oh, that's true. Sabine. Cad Bane. Sabine. Oh, Sabine. And, yeah. And, yeah. Cad Bane, you said was Clone Wars, right? Yeah. Cad yeah, Bane he is. is yeah. But Sabine is from Rebels. Yeah. But that's uh yeah. So I I still think there's yeah there's definitely still some room to grow. So that'll be good because that's the one thing you worry about. You know, with a with a skirmish game that's built in a kind of a universe with its own defined IP is, you know, where what direction do you go next? So I think those are some great ideas uh, that I'm looking forward to. Well, and I yeah, I think that's been the struggle with like X Wing and and Armada is okay. Well, how you know you've got ten fifteen ships already. There aren't really that many different variations. But I think here where they're using you know troops, I think they have a lot more stuff to go on. Luckily. 
Well, I also think with X-Wing, there's only so far that you can push that idea of the individual pilot as a character, uh, as opposed to a game where you're you're moving someone where you can see them as an individual. Um, And I think... I think that's a that's a big big difference um, in the game. Excellent. So I think you know I think this is a game that we all like, and there's a lot to to like about it. Um, so it's fun kind of hearing your kind of some of your thoughts on what we what we saw in there. Um, but that's um, that's our take on Star Wars Legion. If you guys haven't tried it, it's it's a pretty easy game uh, to get into. Um, the price point really isn't bad. Uh, you can definitely go off the deep end like I have um, and own all four factions. Um, or you could be more like Dave and be a little bit more focused and just have the separatists. Well, that was a, that was a fun conversation. Um, looking forward to more games of Legion with you guys. Um, and then uh, next month we'll be back uh, to do our kind of year-end review uh, where I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Star Wars Legion as well. But um, thank you guys uh, for uh, for participating tonight. Yay, thank you. And it was, it was funny that Dave ended up being late because he was the one that really wanted to talk about Legion and get us all recording. <laughs> so I'm glad you at least jumped on for the end there, Dave. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to do it again. Yeah. We're going to record every night now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to catch up by recording yeah. every night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. As Andy said, we will be back next month, we promise, because we always do the year-end wrap-up, so look for that. Until then, let your geek flag fly. You've been listening to Nerd Herders, a part of the Freebooters Network. All song and movie clips are the property of their respective owners, and no challenge of ownership is implied. We use those clips because we're fans, so please don't sue us. Please check out our sponsor, Geek Nation Tours. You can find us on Twitter, at Nerd Herders Show, and on Facebook, under the Nerd Herders Podcast. You can also reach us by email at hosts at nerdherderspodcast.com. Special thank you to our editor and producer, Justin Steno-Alex. No tauntauns were cut open during the making of this podcast. <laughs>